if you don't offer the kids a positive alternative, they're gonna do what I did. I went out into the world and I reoffended within a month of getting out of lockup. That's John Joseph, and this is the Rich Roll Podcast. Podcast. What's up, everybody? How are you guys doing out there in podcast land? My name is Rich Roll. I'm your host. Welcome to the Rich Roll Podcast, the show where each week I sit down with the big thinkers, paradigm-breaking minds and personalities across all categories of health, wellness, diet, nutrition, athletic performance, spirituality, meditation, uh, mindfulness, entrepreneurship, artistry, creativity. You get the picture, right? Why do I do this? I do it so that all of us, myself included, can be well-served on our journey towards unlocking and unleashing and better expressing our best most authentic selves. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate it. Everybody who has shared the show with your friends and your family members and your coworkers and your colleagues, uh, that means a lot to me. And I got a really great show for you guys today. My friend, John Joseph, uh, AKA Blood Clot, back on the podcast for a fourth appearance. If you're a longtime listener to the show, the guy needs absolutely no introduction. He's one of my most popular uh, guests in the history of this program. But if you're new, uh, John is the lead singer of a band called The Chrome he is an icon in the punk music world and a guy who really grew up uh, rough, uh, hard knock childhood on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, his childhood was rife with drugs and alcohol. He was a bit of a street urchin, spent a lot of time in some pretty nasty, gnarly juvenile detention homes and was ultimately really saved by music, by punk music and specifically the Bad Brains, of course, another iconic uh, band in the punk music world. Uh, and these guys took him under their wing and really helped transform him and his life into this amazing character and personality that he is today. Uh, currently, John is a plant-based beast of an athlete. He's an Ironman currently training for the Kona Ironman World Championships in Hawaii this fall. And he's a spiritual cat. You know, this guy goes deep. He spent time as a monk with the Hare Krishnas back in the day. He is a very devout practitioner of meditation, of mindfulness, and a really extraordinary example of service. A guy who practices a wide array of uh, spiritual practices in his life. And we first met several years ago, I think it was back in 2012. Ever since we connected, he's become a really good friend of mine. I always spend tons of time with him and his girlfriend, Erica, who is a plant-based fitness trainer herself, uh, every time I'm in New York City. And I just love this guy. Um, and I know you guys do as well, because he's been on the show three times in the past, episodes 41, 66, and 95. Uh, the first time he was on the show, episode 41, to this day, might just be the most popular episode I have ever done. Uh, everybody seems to really love that one. And if you're new, I would make sure to dial that one up for some context, because in that episode, we go into his whole life story, which is absolutely uh, mind-blowing. And today, we're a little bit more Freeform. We're catching up on what he's been up to lately, how he structures his life and his priorities around training, around music, around his spiritual practices, uh, and writing, which is something that he's very active in these days. He's writing pilots for television. And most importantly, service. And service is really what JJ is all about. Uh, specifically, he's currently raising Kona for charity. He's raising money for the Children's Tumor Foundation. You can donate to that campaign. I'll put a link up on the episode page so how you can learn more about that. Uh, if you happen to be in New York City this Wednesday, May 4th, 
John is the guy behind a 10K, 5K run, something that he's organizing and hosting in partnership with the New York City Bridge Runners crew. And that's going to be uh, a run through the streets of lower Manhattan. Runners, bikers, skaters, all welcome. And that also is a fundraiser to raise money for the Children's Tumor Foundation. And then on May 29th, the Cro-Mags are playing at the Highline Ballroom in New York City to raise money for cancer uh, on that same campaign. So those are three ways that you can get involved in JJ's life and kind of support what he's doing. Also, John hosts a walking tour through the Lower East Side, uh, which is a really unique, amazing uh, experience that I encourage all of you guys to do if you happen to find yourself in New York City this spring and this summer. Uh, Check my episode page for links on how you can learn more about that as well. And I got a couple more things I wanna say about John before I get into the conversation, but first. We all get it. Sometimes the news can really wear you down. That's why Wildcard, a new podcast from NPR, feels like a solution. It's an interview show that gives a special deck of cards to a whole bunch of fascinating guests, all in the hopes of sorting out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, all party game. Wildcard comes out every Thursday from NPR. Listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentous's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentous for yourself by going to livemomentous.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, 
the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. All right, John Joseph. I absolutely love this guy. He is one of a kind, an incredibly unique human being, uh, insanely charismatic, one of those people that I feel like I could just leave the microphone on and leave the room and the podcast would take care of itself. Uh, this is, once again, an incredibly dynamic conversation. Uh, there is some language because it is John Joseph and you don't want to edit John. He is who he is. So for those of you who are a little bit queasy, just a heads up, you know, there's a lot of F-bombs here. So you might want to put in the earbuds or make sure the little kitties aren't around. Uh, and without further ado, uh, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this uh, powerful exchange with my good friend, John Joseph. All right, man. Highly anticipated. Double J back on the podcast. How many times have you been on the show, dude? Uh, this is like five times, four, 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 four. I think that. Yeah. Actually, maybe five because uh, your book party. I was, I did. Uh, oh right, we never aired that though. That the audio quality from really? that was too. See? Yeah, it just didn't didn't work. So put down your phone, dude. Hold Focus on, motherfucker. Concentrate. Sorry, I know I don't want to be. A, I don't want to be a geek. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, I. You just, walk uh, through the streets in New York, and nobody. There is no contact between people a lot well, except for the old face, school they got their face in their phone now yeah yeah except you know? for the old school the old people like me and several right. others that refuse to get on my I phone know, like old man joseph like what's with the phones Why get out talk of the way they need to make a texting lanes and everybody else gets fucking if they get in the texting if they get in the regular <laughs> lane they get run over like the bike lane right? yo this i'm telling you it's lane. ridiculous well it's true because in new york man if you're if your face is in your phone you're gonna like walk into a telephone pole or you know basically i was running earlier today and i almost had like four accidents of, yeah. like people walking right in front of me and, and then uh you know the thing is new york's changed so much but it's getting back people are getting robbed again so it's like is that true that's, yeah yeah that's my good. friends are cops in the ninth and they're like yo strong arm robberies are up people getting jacked for their cell phones their electronics one dude got his shoes taken everything old oh, they went old school on him wow so took everything sliding. his shoes he had to walk home with no shoes i feel so safe walking around new york am i just naive uh, nah, it's safe, but, uh, you know, the, the thing is, is is they come out hunting at night and they go around the club areas mm -hmm. because, needless to say, you know, dumb white people are With coming out on. and they're under the illusion that it's, you know, it's this safe place and they don't realize it's still New York. It's a big city. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to, you know, mind your P's and Q's. I don't never let anybody get the upper hand on me because I don't drink. I don't take drugs. I don't text on the street. So it's like if you... <laughs> Only when you're on my podcast. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I've dealt with a lot of situations quickly because 
um, you, you know, from from guns yeah, being you, I mean, pulled, you probably to got eyes in, yeah, eyes in the back here. Yeah, uh, at this point, it's like yeah, you have to. We uh-huh. we used to, we had a little term. We would say SOA, state of alert, meant like some something was about to go down. Right. You know? It's like uh, like so, some call sign business, but yeah, anyway. Man. Well, thanks for uh, coming to the vegan athletes thing at NYU. Last oh man, night. it was, was incredible. You guys, cool, right? it, it was so tremendous. You guys killed it, and. Um, I wanted to ask a question I didn't get to ask, but um, What's, what did you? Want I was going to ask because everybody kept saying about the elitist this and that, and I agree it is. But I wanted to bring up the fact that you did on the YouTube channel vegan on twenty dollars a day. Uh-huh. I thought you were going to bring that up, but nobody did, and uh, it's a good reference because you know, like Dom Z was saying, yeah, if you go to all these restaurants and do prepared food, but you know, my girl Erica goes and gets organic from trader joe's and it's like we have meals for days on like 30 dollars. yeah it's just about shopping smart but it's it's easy to fall under this idea that it's an elitist one percenter thing when you know we were just talking before before we started that every time you walk by by chloe there's a line around the block and i just was i was gonna have lunch there today Mm. i know you went there last night yeah there's like 30 people waiting online at 1 30 in the afternoon to go in there i'm like i'm not doing that and then you know there's so many amazing vegan plant-based restaurants in new york city but oh beyond sushi same thing man lying out the door it's not cheap you know oh man i went there last night and we got Two veggie burgers, some air baked fries, and and a and a kale salad, and it was like thirty seven dollars. At Chloe, yeah, I mean uh, it ain't cheap, right. you know. I mean it's a but treat. That's not that's not super expensive. That's not either. too bad. I mean you're we gonna each, spend that much at Chipotle probably. Yeah, too. but that's why I love Angelica Kitchen because you go there, and for eighteen dollars you get soup, bread, and a whole huge plate of organic, macrobiotic food, like right. killing it. Right, right. You know, for I had uh, I had Moby on the podcast. I interviewed him like a week ago. I haven't put that that episode up yet, but we were talking about uh, back in the day in New York City and Angelica yeah. and all of that. And I hope Angelica survives, man. I know it's yeah. It's she's trying hard. It's just there's a lot more. She's not the only game in town anymore. And there's a lot of other places and a lot like if you go in Chloe's or you go in Peace Food. Like where they do the veggie burgers and all that kind of stuff, you don't see any of those people in Angelica Kitchen. No, and it's a totally it's be- different. It's crowd. a different crowd, and I think the thing is, to a certain degree, you have to cater to the new people that are transitioning. I mean, my first experience at Angelica Kitchen, I went there in 1980 with the singer of the Bad Brains, and I, I, I mean, and this was early Angelica's when they had like. Just a few dishes on the menu. And, and that I, was really like the only or one of the only vegan. Yeah, well, there was that place, the, the Cauldron and 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 um, what's that other macrobiotic place? They do fish there. So I don't really like eating there. Um, You're asking forget, me? Yeah, um, I forgot the name of it. But, you know, the thing is, is that, like I said, there's uh, she's she's always going to get the rice, beans and greens crew. You know, what I call the macro psychotic, some of them are just over the top. <laughs> but you need to cater to people that are transitioning a little more, you know, do some, uh, you know, veggie burgers or whatever, you know, stuff that people who are not just uh, having good. Get... for the. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, case in point, I was sitting um, down in the 
two guys that were next to me were like, yo, I ain't vegan, but I could eat this shit, man. This right. is really at like Chloe's. Oh, at Chloe, right. Yeah, they're like, man, if, the, if this food is like this, I could definitely consider giving up meat, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, Angelica has his merit has its merits too, man. It's like you never, you know. Sometimes all that processed vegan food, man, will do a right. number on you. You go in Angelica's and you just come out of there. I mean, it's my favorite restaurant in the city, hands down. Mm-hmm. I go to Candle too, and and but that's like a treat. Either we're cooking at home or we're going to Angelica Kitchen, and right. you know. All right, man. So for the few people maybe that have uh, started listening to the podcast uh, uh, in the period of time since you've been on before and might not know who you are, we should probably recap your story a little bit. All right. (laughs) We could breeze through it. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, I had a little different upbringing than most of the people that go uh, plant-based, you know, Grew up in a very violent home. Father was a professional boxer and, uh, you know, almost beat my mother to death. The state put us in an abusive foster home for six years. Went on to the streets. Uh, got shot, stabbed, sold dust. Ended up getting in, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of tragedy, man. My first girl, uh, my friend that I was hustling the streets with, this dude, Mikey Debris was a junkie and mm-hmm. she was she liked heroin too Max, Max is Kansas City punk rock kind of so like you know God you know kind of stole my girl I was a little kid and uh you know she ended up ODing and dying and uh, you know it just New York was like crazy insane I mean I don't know how many times people would roll up on me and I would have to put a bat or a pipe across their face uh, I mean it was that type you know we're talking about New York but 77 New York City was the murder capital of the US you had the son of Sam you had the blackout you had the riots going and I was a kid alone on the streets I ran away from uh, when the state closed the foster home they put me in um, in St. John's Home for Boys in 1976 in the spring of 76 right and, and you're like 12 or 13 probably uh i was 14 14 yeah uh-huh. and then that um winter january i went on to the, i couldn't take it anymore me and my brother were the only uh white kids in the home and it was an irish neighborhood so the irish kids were beating them up and then i got jumped by like 10 of these kids and you know it was just my fr- i did my first acid trip the dude i was with his uh mother's boyfriend Threw gasoline on him and lit him on fire. Like what? Yeah, this dude Bobby K, Bobby Keeler, and uh, yeah, he was burned from the neck down. So there was a lot of really fucked up kids in his home that had a lot of fucked up things done to them. Yeah, he his uh, when he was young, his mo- he, he uh, woke up his mother's boyfriend who was like this alcoholic, crazy fucking guy. So he threw the kid in the bathtub and set him on fire. That's insane. And, uh, yeah, his whole neck was burned. And uh, so the first acid trip I ever had was with him. He was older than me. He was, like, 18, and I was, like, 14, and he tried to murder me. Pulled a knife on me. He had, like, uh, a bad trip. So, like, you know, just crazy, the craziness of of New York and, uh, you know, just dealing with day-to-day life was 
an insane mm-hmm. uh, thing to deal with. And then my brother left the home too. He was with these junkies and used heroin and got, yeah, I mean, I hadn't seen him in months. And then he had yellow jaundice. I fucking didn't even recognize him. I was like, and then um, he got busted and uh, sent upstate, went to Spofford. And then I racked up three cases drugs breaking and entering in a we tried to rob a supermarket through the roof and they caught us and then the last one was an angel dust sale you know i wrote a pilot about it it got me signed to howie tannenbaum who is uh at vince Gil- at uh no icm, oh, ICM uh, right. he's vince gilligan's agent that did uh breaking bad and he reps the writers of the wire and and um, Sons of Anarchy. And so he read this pilot I wrote about the cop who took down the angel dust trade. And I was tied into that mm-hmm. as, as uh, you know, I sold dust. Right. And I got shot because of it. And then uh, the guy who was the big protector of this dude, uh, Computer was the guy that made the dust. And this dude, Disco Mike, unbeknownst to me, was... Uh, he looked like John Travolta on steroids and, and he was like Forest Park was all rockers and he was this Guido dude. Disco Mike. Yeah, Disco. We called him Disco Mike. That uh-huh. was his name. And, um, you know, like I said, he fucking took steroids. He was a weightlifter. But what he, he drugged and raped over like 20 kids. And the night I got shot, I went back to his house because I couldn't go to the hospital. And this other little disco kid was there and he drug he he drugged both of us. He put shit in our drink, and I woke up. The motherfucker was like trying to carry me to the bedroom to fucking rape me, and oh I just started God. fighting him. And then he and dropped I didn't know me. This story. Yeah, I it's in the book. Before. It's in my book. And then uh, and then I woke up to the kids screaming, and uh, I walked to the back room, and 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 this guy who's like six five was raping this fucking mm. little kid, like anally raping him, and I just put a bat. Across his across his back, robbed him, went back, to, took all his dust, went back to Forest Park, and uh, and I got popped, and that's mm-hmm. when I got sent upstate. I did three months in Spofford, which is a fucking nutty place, and then and then eighteen months upstate in one of the real tough uh, juvenile detention places in uh, upstate New York, and then from there I joined the Navy, and that's when. The adventure really started because I met this band called the Bad Brains and ended up going AWOL in 80 and working for them. And they gave me a job um, doing security. Uh, I got in a knife fight well, against the hit, these guys from the Hitmen who were outside their studio like trying to stab people. And, and the Beastie Boys were there. Everybody was there. And nobody would fight these fucking dudes. And I just I went at them. And uh-huh. I knocked the first dude out, and then I beat the other guys with a chain. But I ended up getting stabbed, and they put a fucking KOS on me, which is kill on sight. So nobody would hang out with me from the punk rock scene. Wow. And then uh, Bad Brain squashed it. I just walked up ready to deal with whatever they were going to do. And they motherfuckers surrounded me, and then Bad Brains came out of the studio, Doc and Daryl from the Bad Brains, and squashed it. And they ended up being like, yo, you're the only fucking white boy with heart. 
and they never messed with the studio, one seventy one A. Right. It was almost like that's your that was your uh, rite of passage or initiation yeah. to get inside the circle, like that trope in any movie, yeah. like in The Departed when Leonardo DiCaprio has to like beat that guy up to, yeah. so that Jack Nicholson will. Think yeah. That he's well, you know, him. I was still doing drugs <laughs> at the time, so right. I took a, I was on a Gorilla Biscuit, which is known as a Quaalude, and I thought I was invincible. So I wouldn't I, think like Quaaludes would be the the drug you'd want to be on when no, you're getting in a fight. No, Quaaludes make you fucking. I mean, you could get hit with a bat and still keep coming. It's 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 up there with angel dust. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, I took one lewd like uh, the lemon seven fourteens, which was like the strong ones. You know, but then they told me, listen, you want to work with us, you can't eat meat and you can't. Uh, take drugs and you can't drink none of that so i i told up as they say in jamaica and, and i got off i went raw like i you know after Did you just do bit. it straight like that day forward or? no you know it was like a gradual thing like i said hr took me to angelica kitchen and i i mean i left and went and ate a fucking hamburger i was right. like yo they call they he got he got me to dragon ball i'm like where's the dragon meat dude this shit <laughs> tastes horrible and then and then he started taking me to Vegetarian Paradise, like the transition, the Chinese vegan places, trans, more transitional, and the cauldron, which had tofu pies, and, and I was like, yo, all right. And I, then I got a job in a health food store. Mm -hmm. So they made sandwiches and all kinds of stuff there, so it became a lot, it, it, it became easier for me to do that, and then I never, I never stopped. We started the Crow Mags. All right, but hold on a second. So for people that don't, no, or aren't that familiar with like the hardcore punk scene explain who hr was and yeah. the kind of significance of the bad brains in this intersection of you know kind of straight edge culture yeah. you know the the vegan movement with this kind of music and what was happening in new well, york at that time well the bad brains came from dc so they started in like 77 and they became rust they were punk rock black punk rockers but they were the most incredible musicians like Everybody from Henry Rollins to the Chili Peppers to Fishbone to Dave Grohl, it's his favorite band. I mean, you know, Bad Brains are the fucking messiahs of this music. And in 1979, uh, they met one of uh, Bob Marley's people, this guy Ray Chinna, uh in D.C. And they lived on this farm together and started growing vegetables. And, you know, it was like, then they became Rasta. So I met them like, I guess when I met them, they were still punk, but like kind of getting converted. I met them in Norfolk at a club when I was in the Navy. I was the right, only that's punk. That's when you went AWOL from the Navy. Yeah, right? I went AWOL. I, I racked up. You're I mean, I was so crazy like in the Navy, man. I was fucking smuggling drugs. I got popped. I, I got a case in Norfolk I sold to undercovers, but I snuck drugs back from Jamaica and uh -huh. Florida and is there still some shit you got to answer for to the no Navy? man my uh, my out? band members turned me in uh, you know in 95 uh, Harley the bass player and the guitar player to get me out of the way uh, ratted me out to the federal government and the cops came breaking down my door and I was already gone because I was on a job site, they text me, and so I straightened it all out. I got a lawyer, and actually, I got an honorable discharge because uh, I, th my lawyer said I left for as a conscientious objector because there was no war, first of all, and then I, 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 I was a Hare Krishna. I became a monk, mm -hmm. 
You know, after the bad it's brains. A whole other part of the story. Yeah. I I I uh, I I read Prabhupada's books and got into it deep and uh, and and I was just so fucked up as a human being. I was, you know, we had a lot of bad shit happen to us in the home, man. All kinds of every kind of abuse you can imagine happened to me and my two brothers in that place, and I became very violent. Like I I really I'm I'm writing a a memoir on addiction now and everything I've gone through for almost 40 years uh, as a result of what was done to us as kids and the anger that I had towards uh, life and people. And mm -hmm. and it never goes away because if you don't, there's always going to, any little thing could surface and you're going to take shelter of addiction. So it was a lot of stuff, you know, I had to deal with um to get that done and um i mean when you went when you got off the drugs and you started working with the bad brains you're still left with all those emotions and all that unresolved anger and all of that right like how did you oh, process yeah. that when you could no longer get high? well you know what i started doing was uh i smoked weed because right there were rastafarian so i smoked weed right, that but then right. i started reading more about just not taking any intoxication and i started going to yoga uh, in 81 and that really helped me and I was meditating and chanting and I just felt is that with like David and Shannon life were you um, had that started uh, no they, they hadn't stayed no nah, they hadn't started they were still they, this kind was of from the same scene yeah right? but this was pre life cafe like okay. life cafe came later I, I think he was up to doing what he was doing. Well, he was—he's a recovering heroin addict, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I knew them. That? I used to see them when they was copping. Right. Like I—I I got into the crack. I was—I had fucking five dealers trying to kill me. I mean, I robbed insane people. Like they—they—they—they're uh, exact words were when we see that ta that tattoo looking nigga with the tattoos, we're gonna kill him. The surfer looking nigga with the uh -huh. tattoos, we're gonna kill his ass. They told my friend that. So I mean, you know, it was always anything could set me off, and it's been something I've been dealing with for a long time. Like mm -hmm. you know, like uh, even as much as you know, when I hurt my back a few years ago, taking painkillers and. You know, it was so easy, and really it wasn't until my brothers, like, almost died, my younger brother from addiction, that I just was like, yo, I'm never gonna take even a, a fucking codeine tablet, you know, and just, just completely, uh, you know, stay, stay clean, and, uh, you know, even, like, uh, like I said in my book, even when I smoked crack, I would go get wheatgrass juice the next morning to fucking try to <laughs> detoxify myself, yeah. and... I mean, I think that's the only reason I survived it. The amount of crack and freebase that I did was your insane. Your didn't explode. Yeah, I mean, but I was still 100% vegan. Like, just still eating right. fucking clean food. It's but I was a maniac. Like, mashup. Yeah. yeah. We're brought to you today by Brain FM. You know that thing when you have a bunch of intense work that you just have to do, but the mind doesn't really wanna do it? You're telling it, come on, focus, but it keeps getting distracted or agitated by nonsense. And you go through this painful sort of mini war to rein it in, to settle it down and just concentrate on the thing. Wouldn't it be great if there was something that would ease or eliminate this process? I don't know, like something you put in your brain through your ears? 
that would be great. And the good news is that it does exist. It's called Brain.fm, which is this sonic platform that leverages science to create tunes specifically crafted to optimize brain performance for a specific task. Tunes that contain patterns that shift your brain state with something even more effective than binaural beats called neural entrainment so that you can more easily focus on that thing or lure you into the sleep that persistently eludes you. Personally, I notice it the most when I sit down to write. Typically, this experience floods me with anxiety and a near lethal dose of the big R resistance that Stephen Pressfield talks about. But now I pop on the headphones, I dial up brain.fm, click the focus feature, and the process becomes, I mean, look, writing is still hard, but now it really is so much easier to get into that state of flow and stay there. So if you're ready to unlock your focus and productivity, I've got a special offer just for you. I asked them to give my listeners 30 days free and you can get it at brain.fm slash richroll. I bet you'll love it just as much as I do. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. Meditation has been a recurring theme on this podcast, dating back to its beginnings. And in conversation always leads people to asking me about the best way to begin. There are no shortage of modalities of resources and apps available. I have experience with many of them, but my mainstay, I have to say, the one that I have found most useful is waking up. It's this unique treasure trove of wisdom that has become so important to my daily routine that the app finds itself right in the dock of my phone for immediate fingertip access. Beyond its robust catalog of daily meditations, 
It's also this extraordinary library of mindfulness resources that go well beyond the strictures of meditation with courses on stoicism, cognitive behavioral therapy, time management, procrastination, as well as thoughtful conversations with leading scholars on everything from psychedelics to happiness. It really is one of the most worthy investments you can make in yourself. And listeners of the show can get 30 days to try waking up for free. Plus, you'll save $30 on the in-app price. If price is a concern, Waking Up offers the app for free, astonishingly for anyone who can't afford it. You can find the links on their website to get a full scholarship right now. Just go to wakingup.com slash richroll to start your free month today. That's wakingup.com slash richroll. Basically, the idea is that HR and and you know punk rock save your life. Absolutely, right? and, and you throw yourself into into the music. You start your own band, the Crow Mags, and and you have your own journey with that. And yeah. you know, to this day, you're considered a, a you know an icon of the movement. You know, the Crow Mags, legendary band. You know, from that era, and you're yeah. still rocking it out. I and just I kind of want to like take it because we've done this like a bunch of times now. And if people that are listening want to hear the in depth, you know, full blown like the Hare Krishna period, like the whole yeah. thing, man. I'll, I'll leave the, uh, the, the links to those episodes in the show notes, so you should go yeah. and check those out as well. But I kind of want to get to some of the stuff that you're into now. Yeah, man, I just signed a new record deal with uh, Blood Clot, this band I'm doing. Like, Blood Clot is a term that the Rastas use when everything is fucked up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and that was your nickname. So you were well, like that's because originally the human were, incarnation of being fucked up. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll tell you where that came from because a lot of people don't know. And uh, the bad brains, uh, when something was, when the amp would fucking blow or the head or some, they'd be like, fix the blood clot, this blood clot, that. So the roadies, we formed this band called Blood Clot out on the road with them. So we would open up for them every night in '81. Uh-huh. Like all these shows. This is pre pre uh, Chromags. Well, the Chromags started in August of '81, right? Uh-huh. We started rehearsing, and then uh, for like four months, Dave Hahn was the Bad Brains manager, was the drummer. Dave Stein was played guitar. Harley was on uh, bass, and me uh, singing. And Dave Stein um, went to college. Dave Hahn went to a drug program, and the band broke up. And then I went on tour with the Bad Brains, like right after that, like in the fall. And we went down south. And then Blood Clot formed out on the road while, you know, we, you know, you're sitting around setting up the gear and everything. So the roadies just, we just started jamming and writing these songs. And um, that's how that manifested. So then it was, uh, you know, John from Blood Clot, John Blood Clot, and then Blood Clot. Mm-hmm. But really, the name came because of the band. Right. So I just, we just. Uh, and now, like 35 years later, you're. Yeah, you're 35 years later. So who's uh, in the band with you? It's uh, Joey Castillo, who played in uh, Queens of the Stone Age. And I mean, he's old school. Phil Caivano, who was. This, I mean, opened up for Bad Brains with this, uh, with his punk rock band uh, in 79. I mean, he's been around forever, this bass player. He's in Monster Magnet now, and Todd Youth, who's played with, I mean, he's just like an incredible guitar player, writer, uh, musician. He's played with everybody from Danzig to Motorhead to Glenn Campbell. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, it's like, that's some range. Yeah, dude. He is fucking badass. So I went out September 
uh, to race the Navy SEAL half Ironman, and I tore my calf, and I couldn't race. So Todd was, I was bummed like a motherfucker, but that's what life is about, turning adversity into into something good. So I said, hey, man, why don't we go track those songs? Uh, so NRG in, in the Valley gave us like spec time and we wrote, we went in and recorded five songs and uh, and we got a deal at off of those five songs. Uh, to Metal Blade Records, and uh, the the record's gonna drop in September. And not only that, uh, I had, unbeknownst to me, my agent gave Howie Tannenbaum um, and Michael Sherno, who works with him from ICM, my pilot on this dust thing, this drama. Right. So and explain it got that. Me, I mean, because we, you, you've told me at length, like we've talked story on this quite a bit off off air, but uh, it's a pretty amazing story. I started out writing about me and the crew that I was with. There's these guys, computer, and so uh, I gave this, the pilot to Patty Jenkins who wrote Monster. Right, and for people that are listening, a pilot is a script for the initial episode of a television right. program. And if they like it, then they shoot it and then see what the response right. it's is. it's a whole development Yeah, it's a whole process. development thing. So I gave it to Patty Jenkins, a really good friend of mine. She's from the hardcore scene, like back before she ever did Monster or right. any she of that she directed, stuff. did she also Monster. write Monster? She wrote she directed, and directed right. Monster. Right. Yeah, she's incredible. And she's done so many other projects. And, you know, she's the kind of person that's such a good friend. She's like read some of my worst shit but always gave me constructive criticism so she said you know what you capture the fucking world but what this is lacking is the police uh aspect of it it needs law enforcement that's what'll help sell the show so my i asked my friend um rich uh, bill hall uh he's in the seven five and if anybody's seen the documentary the seven five like the worst corrupt cop out of new york city came from that precinct so when that guy was going down bill was coming out of the academy this was you know 25 he's got 25 years on the job so i said to him hey man i need to you know he always uh does consultation work with me lets me you know you know um i he's an advisor on the dialogue and stuff for me because you know you got to get the cop shit right so he's helped me out and then i said yo i need to find a cop that was around during the dust days and he was like fucking three four months he's like yo i can't find nobody i asked everybody and then one day he was just walking around in a mall in long island and he had his sergeant seven uh 75th precinct so this older guy comes up and he's like hey you on a job and he's like yeah i'm in the seven turns out this guy was he's like yeah i'm retired i was at it like the 105 or the one i forget what precinct it was but it was right where as far as spark was he's like mm -hmm. yo let me ask you something do you do you have any recollection of like the dust thing that was happening in the city and the guy just smiles and he's like i was in charge of the task force that took down angel dust in the city and he's like my buddy's writing a pilot it's legit he's with like a big agent would you be into talking to him and he's like yeah mm -hmm. so i go out to long island to a bar to meet this dude fucking still jacked he's like 70 fucking years old like jacked and um and uh, start talking to him, and his story was just fucking incredible. Of 
how we, you know, this was before all the technology and why, even like mm. fucking wiretaps and all this stuff. And uh, so I just was like, yo, this has got to be, this is the protagonist. So you pivot, basically, it goes from your story of like growing up on the streets story, to becoming yeah. this guy's story. And that got, and I, and so. I gave it to my literary agent to send to the TV people, and I didn't know if they read it or what. And so this cop's name is John Wild Man Wild, and he was nicknamed Wild Man by the cops in the New York City Police Department because he was way more violent than the fucking criminals. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like justice is restored when the police are more violent than the criminals, like some dirty <laughs> Harry type shit. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, so uh, and I didn't know if they read it or what. And so they set up a meeting and I go in there. And we start shooting the shit. They were from Chicago and all this other stuff. And we just had this great conversation. And then like and then it got down to fucking brass tacks and they were like yo we read your fucking pilot and we loved it like we want to represent you and i was like so i left the meeting and i called up my literary agent and i'm like yo they read the fucking pilot they want to they signed me and he was like yeah i i didn't want to tell you that they loved it cuz i wanted you to do the hard sell on yourself and he, and you did cuz they called me up like 5 minutes after you walked out and were like this guy is what you know he he gets it and they were like yo you get the street you 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 know and 10 years of studying with uh robert mckee who wrote story mm-hmm. so it's having he's a great the guru story of of screenwriting yeah. uh he's he's a character in that charlie kaufman movie adaptation which, <laughs> yeah. I th- which is basically my favorite movie of and all let time. me tell you um what's his name that played him uh, uh, Brian, um, Brian Cox. Brian Cox, Brian Cox fucking nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I was like looking at Robert McKee. I've taken that story seminar twice. Right. I've done his workshop. And so is Charlie. That's why he was able to like display it. So, and he did everything the- that, uh, at, that Robert McKee said not to do to uh-huh. end the film. Well, that's the irony. On an act that, of God. Right. And yeah, it's I mean, that movie reason. folds in on itself a hundred times over. Yeah. Which is why it's so brilliant. But yeah, the scenes with 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 the McKee character played by Brian Cox are precious. Genius. And and that is what that guy's like. Yeah. But absolutely. he said he you had personal interaction with him, right? Yeah, yeah, like, because he like he smoked and uh and I was like, yo, if you're gonna smoke, I got this organic green tea extract and it's so powerful that it's going to kill the free radicals from you. <laughs> and that motherfucker was writing me like, hey, McGowan, you got some more of that fucking green tea? That They called me the green tea extract guy. But then my friend signed up his sister and called the whole company. And, uh, and he's like, oh, yeah. They're like, how did you find out about us? And he's like, yeah, my buddy John Joseph McGowan, you know, uh, He's like, oh, yeah, we know that guy. And he's like, my friend, and my friend Artie goes, yo, you know what his nickname is? Because Artie's the Googie from the Misfits. He's mm. a fucking character. They could do a movie about him, five movies about him. And he's like, yo, he's telling the people from the McKee seminar. He has them on the phone. He's like, yo, you know what that guy's nickname is? And they're like, what? And, and Artie goes, his name is Blood Clot. And he just fucking cracks up and he goes, and then he goes to the whole office. Yo, you know that guy that gives Robert the fucking green tea extract? You know what his nickname is? Uh-huh. Blood clot. And the like the whole office starts laughing. That's and, pretty funny. Yes, but Robert uh 
It's really amazing guy, man. Like, I went up to him after the seminar and, like, asked him a question. And he knew right away I was like, you know. And because and, I was asking this film I was writing, I based the character on what I went through as a kid in the home. And he, and he said something very valuable to me. He goes, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do as a result of it. That's where the story is. And yeah. I was like, bingo. Action and reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's uh, so these cats at ICM dug dug the pilot, but yeah. it doesn't end up getting made, right? Like period piece. Yeah, just, the, well, like, well, he told me straight up. He goes, "Look, man, this is you know a period piece for a first time writer is your chances are very fucking slim. But if you write something contemporary, uh, you know, I'm telling you now, like we we can sell it." So I pitched a, a bunch of log lines to him. And they were like, which is like a one sentence thing of what your story is about. So they picked this story that uh, that I had, and they were like, "Develop this. Can you send us a show bible, which is characters, the setting, where it goes? You know, basically it's like five pages." And I sent this thing to them, and they were like, "We have never gotten a more developed fucking show bible than what you sent us. Like out of all the writers." They said, they said, develop it. So I've been working since September, and uh, I almost got it done now, and I'm going to submit it to them uh, the end of the month. You and better then, let me read it before you submit it to them, man. You keep yeah, telling me you're going to let me read it. but I'm almost done with it. Yeah, yeah cool. So. so when you see uh, that new TV show, uh, Vinyl, on HBO... Oh, it, I, I watched... Like, what do you think? Because like, I'm, I'm obsessed with... One of the th- one of the things that I you know that I love when we have these conversations is like I just I love learning about what New York was like in mm. that period of time because music was exploding you know oh, in, in the downtown scene and culturally you know with Andy Warhol and like everything that was happening it was like really the crucible of everything that was happening in art and culture yeah. you know that would then I was you know, ripple across America and so when I see it depicted on film whether it's you know a Martin Scorsese movie or a television show like I'm always you know, wanting to know, like, how authentic yeah. is that? Well, I mean, Terrence Wint is a great writer, but I just think he's not, he, the subject is, he's not, he's not nailing it. Like, if I would have wrote that, it, I, I'm not saying I'm a better writer than him, but I was at Max's Kansas City. I was dealing in the music business. I was watching all this shit go down. It's just getting so off like everybody i know that is involved in the music like our manager michael alago was fucking new warhol it's like he hung out he signed metallica like he's been on the punk scene since 74 73 Mm -hmm. and he's like oh i fucking hate it because he's involved in the music like i watched it and i liked it because i'm just i just i'm a sponge for that but but I wasn't there. I don't know what it's like. And I've talked to a couple other people that yeah. you know were in the city at the time and involved in the music business, and they've said similar things. Yeah, it's so, like, I mean, what would you have done? Like, how, I how would have got more into it? into the characters and the music and the clubs and uh, well, maybe the show and will even, do that if you give it a chance. I mean, to I've just watched like it's getting real caught up in the main uh, characters' drug use, and uh, it's. You know, I mean, I, I you know, I, I get, I mean, listen, my agent gave me that, that pilot when it was the untitled rock and roll pilot. Oh, and so you read it before. I read saw, it before right. it ever uh, came on to H, you know, he, he sent it to me because actually the, the pilot was brilliantly written. 
it's you know and i love terrence winter so, so is the sh- is the first episode of the show does it diverge from the pilot on the page uh no it's pretty much yeah. right there yeah it's like uh it's pretty like opening scene all of those scenes with the you know mm-hmm. it's pretty much uh what you see on the page well when you see like that that you know, I, I'm assuming it's Soho where he's parked his car in the beginning and where yeah, the that's show is and there. like these like these like you know these vacant buildings that were like collapsing and falling on top of yeah, each but other that never happened. That. that building, but collapsing. there was a lot of arson, right? Yeah, well, that was that was the developers that were doing that yeah, shit. I mean, they burnt that building down, down, down and fucking try and to get us out and murdered three people and the cops never investigated it. So there was a lot of. Uh, they're actually the nickname that they're giving it, that they've been given in New York is Jewish barbecues because a lot the Jewish uh, most of the landlords were Jewish so they would burn the fucking building down to collect the insurance uh, money so that was the nickname uh, they got it but yeah the, I used to go down to the mug club on White Street like Soho and all that shit like we I just watched uh after hours a couple weeks ago that scorsese movie and that was shot in those areas like right, like soho deserted. was deserted it was, deserted. It was, it was no fucking it was a ghost yeah. town what to speak of alphabet city and and you know i don't know like for me being involved with music since then and like it's just real hokey like the characters are fucking hokey like fucking like Mick Jagger's son is flat as fuck as an actor. It's just not. It's just not really. He plays the punk rock kid, right? Yeah, and in what's it called? Nasty Bits band. or whatever the fucking band is called. I don't know. It's just. Uh, and then they have cameos by supposed like the, the dolls and all kinds of people and uh, you know. I mean, whatever. To me, it's just it's getting real contrived, and I've watched like three episodes and it's all focused on like what's the what's the main uh, actor's name uh bobby Cannavale. yeah yeah which that guy's a great, he's a great actor. actor oh he's fucking great mm-hmm. like but it's just getting to be too much i mean i would like to see more about you know they they started with the storyline of that uh of that blues singer that got his vocals crushed and right. i just would like to see more about you know the musicians and and somebody that was really around Max's and all the fucking mm-hmm. CBs in the clubs back then doing it. Uh, you may be doing more technical consulting with them because um, I don't know. It's not just. It's not really just about punk rock. It's about how that change went. Well, from, it was a transitionary time in New York City. Yeah. And rock and roll in general. And rock and roll in general. It was like, you know, like people were trying to... There was a... They had one episode. Like some of it's real funny. Like they had the Jethro Tull fucking like... And then the guy's like, where the fuck did you find these? And he's like, at at, at a medieval county fair. Like shit. The guy was like playing flute. It was, I mean, there's some entertaining moments but uh we'll see i hope it improves i mean right. whatever you know all right so you got the new you got blood clot are you you're coming out to la to record yeah when are you doing when are you uh, laying it down well i got uh <clears throat> i got iron man texas may 14th right. and then may 29th is a big benefit in the city with the Cro-Mags for the the boy i'm racing uh kona for mm-hmm. so and then i think the first week in june 
June gloom. I come to L.A. to record. So these guys are out writing stuff now and, uh, you know, getting getting all that together. Nice. And so, uh, all right, so two Ironmans this year. No, you got three. three. Oh, so Vine Tex- Man. Of t- Vine Man, Texas, and then you're going to race Kona, well, man. Texas, and you've never raced Kona before. Texas, Vine Man, and then Kona. Right. You Never raced Kona. You excited about Kona? Oh, I'm fucking so stoked. I mean, I, I, you know, in 1981, the first time I ever saw the Ironman on, like, Wide World of Sports, I fucking was, like, moved to tears by the stories of these people crossing the line. And, you know, it's like the pros are the pros. But it's the guys that have to go to work and do all this other shit and race for people that they lost from cans. Those are the stories that really fucking move you. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I said in 81, I'm like, I'm going to do that fucking race one day. You know, I, I had a cycling, running background and I loved to swim and do whatever. But I, was, I did my first triathlon ever was New York City Ironman was mm-hmm. my first triathlon out the box. Your so, first triathlon was an Ironman? Yeah. I never... And all these guys at the bike shop were like, don't you think... Like, you know, it, it's really an elitist fucking, like, a lot of dick mo's fucking, like... <laughs> I, you know, there is, dude. And I'm just like... I just have fun with it. Uh-huh. And this guy was like, uh, I don't think you should try to do an Ironman. And then my coach, who's like this African-American dude, he's fucking badass. He's like, yo, with, with, with this motherfucker been through in his life, an Ironman is a walk in the fucking park. And, you know, I played a show the night before in Philly, and I, I, I had a stress fracture in my foot, and I fucking drove back to New York, un- didn't sleep, Took a shower and went and did a fucking Ironman on no sleep. <laughs> and that was a... 13 hours. That Ironman, the logistics of that were tricky, right? Didn't you have to drive really far to the start? And No, it was... Uh, well, first of all, it was 97 like that. degrees that day. Uh-huh. No, you had to go to the pier and catch a ferry up to Ross Dock. That's what, right. In Jersey. And, and it's funny because... I fucking caught the last ferry, and it was all the pros, and I'm like, uh-huh. you know, you know, trying to shoot the shit with these dudes, and they're like, would you fucking shut up and leave us alone? Like, <laughs> Jordan Rapp won, didn't he win the race? I, I don't remember I who Rapp won it. Won that race. All I remember was like seeing the fuck, seeing those motherfuckers come flying down uh, the Palisades, and I was like, holy shit, like. Mm. You know, I, I was on like a beat up Kestrel. Like these guys were just hauling ass. Like, but it, you know, it's like some. It, but you got it done. Well, you know what? I got it done, and I had a and I had a great time. And uh, and and here's the thing: it's like you either get, you know, you either you, it's either one and done, or you get the Iron Man bug. And and I got it. I signed up for Cabo and was like racing that uh, on St. Patty's Day, uh, 2013. I raced Cabo. Got my nose broke on the swim, fucking. It, it, you know, it's uh, it's, it's. I love it, man. So how many how many Ironmans have you done? I've so? done six. Uh-huh. So now I'm. Uh, Texas will be seven. And uh, Vine man. And the dream comes through. Thirty five years later. Thirty five fucking years. Of- you can't give up on your dreams. That's yeah. what I tell everybody. Uh, and you know, uh, I wanted to bring something up because. Uh, this chef who cooks for the New York City uh, Corrections Department hit me up, and he he actually found out about me through your podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, he hit me up about doing a cooking life coaching thing inside of a prison. 
in Bed-Stuy for 14 to 18-year-olds. So. And when I was here last, I was here a month ago, and I think I left, and you were headed up, you were going up there for the first time, right? Yeah, uh, it's in Bed-Stuy, and it's uh-huh. like, sh- like fucking serious shit. It's like, these dudes are going to do time. But... There's no contact after they leave. You can't. So it's like you basically have to plant the seed in them and 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 send them on their way. But it's like I'm so passionate about it because you know it's all about paying whatever you get in life, paying it forward. So if I can get through to even one of those kids and, and help them out, I'm gonna give them uh, yoga books and uh, you know it. You know they they're paying me and I'm donating the money to to the cancer charity that I'm racing for for this uh, right. for you know so and it's an interesting thing you explained this to me uh, last month but you know essentially there used to be these giant sort of clearing houses for for these you know troubled kids well, they were right Spofford. and they right, that's it was where one I was big place but now in it's the Bronx. dispersed into yeah. places well they that put them in Rikers for an hour, for a while too and they were having a lot of problem in Rikers the mm-hmm. kids. Uh, so now they put them in different facilities around the city, and this one is in Bed-Stuy. And, and it's a straight-up like, lockup. You walk in there. juvenile felons, basically. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's fucking, I don't know what their crimes are, but it's a fucking prison. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you go, you're going through doors, metal detectors, fucking the whole nine yards. Like, even the room they sat us in, they had to lock the door. So get, give me the pitch. Like, what's the pitch when you get in front of these kids? Like, how many kids are you? Well, I'm going to tell my story because, like, I've, I've been mentoring in the high schools. And I'll tell you, my first high school, this, uh, my, the, the uh, English teacher read my first book, The Evolution of a Cro-Magnon. And I've spoken at, like, maybe 15 high schools already. And I do it also through the Healthy School Food Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Candle 79, and right. I tell my story. I just spoke a couple of weeks ago to uh, school. Yeah, what's her name? Amy. Uh, Amy Hanlon. Amy Hanlon, Beautiful yeah. person. So wonderful. And what she does with the kids and her her determination and just love for these kids, man. And, and joy always comes from... Candle 79, I'm going to tell you, they do well, but, man, the amount of stuff they give back to the community, they are philanthropists out the fucking wazoo. I mm-hmm. love those. Joy and barter and credit. And Benet, too. Right, Incredible Binet. people. A, Candle 79 is a, is a vegan, organic, organic vegan restaurant yeah. in New York City. So basically, even the first time I went and spoke at my first high school in East New York, it was all Bloods and Crips and sh- the... the the English teacher asked me to come in and speak to these kids. So I said, hell yeah. And I do it for free. I don't get paid for this. I, I just, I want to try to get through to these kids. So I came in. It was wintertime. I had a coat on. And you could hear the mumblings, man, what's this white motherfucker trying to tell us something? Blah, 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 blah. So then we go to the library and there's like 60 kids there. And I take my jacket off. They're like, yo, that nigga got mad tattoos, yo. And then as I started relating my story, they're like, yo, this dude had it way worse than any of us. And then, you know, then I break out my passport. I'm like, yo, working papers, Japan, Australia. I said, I've been all over the world. You know where the, the motherfuckers are? And I was on the original sked straight in 78 mm-hmm. when I was locked up. They took us to Fishkill, Rawway. But it don't work. If you don't offer the kids a positive alternative, I, they're going to do what I did. I went out into the world and I reoffended within a month of getting out of lockup. 
So that's the whole thing. It wasn't until I met the Bad Brains and got into yoga and learned about meditation and, and eating clean and staying and, and then having a, an outlet, music or whatever it is that you're passionate about that's going to absorb. Like for me, it's writing and, and training and doing playing music and doing all this stuff. It, it takes so much of my time. I'm up at five o'clock in the morning and when I hit the bed at 11 o'clock, I'm out, man. You know, I sleep six hours. But then as I started relaying my story to these kids, they were like, yo. And I got through to them because I'm like, this shit is real. I'm like, yo. They, like the kids could smell, they could smell the lie. If you ain't real, if, if you ain't real and from the streets, mm -hmm. these kids ain't going to fucking work. budge. They, you ain't getting through to them. But they knew. I was like, speak the lingo. You know, as as you can hear on this podcast, because there's f bombs <laughs> like a motherfucker. But you know, they could kind of sense like, yo, this dude. You know, he's for real. You know, he bent he bent down this road, and I said, look, man. And there was one dude in particular, man, and he was fucking the hard rock dude, the nut to crack. And, like, he was the one that was like, yo, this white mother... Like, you know, it was a lot of that type of shit going on. And then at the end, like, he held back. And, and like, I could see I was, getting, I was getting through to him. And then at the end, he, like, hung... I was behind the whole class. And they, the kids were incredible, man. Like, you know, a lot of these kids are incredible kids. They just came from rough homes. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them is single-parent houses. And the mother's working. And, like, whatever the situation may be. But deep down inside, if you could get to these kids, man, there's some amazing, beautiful, beautiful people, you know. And, and, and this kid came up to me and he's like, yo, man, like, I'm really in. I want to get into acting, like. You know, um, how do I go about that? And I'm like, well, if you're serious, you know, there's acting classes. I, I pay for a couple acting. Yeah, man. So I, I spotted him a couple. Wow. I, I mean, I don't know what happened to it. It's kind of like this thing now. You got to plant the seed and then it's up mm -hmm. to them. Like my trainer, Aaron Jozavanovsky, like worked with, uh, you know, we used to bring kids in from... Uh, what's that friggin' big boys' home um, Covenant House? Because I raced uh, the New York City Triathlon for Covenant House mm -hmm. one year and raised money for them, $5,000 for their kids. So we were bringing some kids into Crunch with him, and he's he's like, you know, legitimate with Everlast Boxing. He's like a legitimate trainer, and we spent so much time on this kid and then he just fucked up and didn't come around and got caught up, got some girl pregnant and then like started doing whatever and got locked up, fighting with her. He got put in Rikers. So you don't never know what's going to happen with these kids. And it may be maybe one out of 20 of them is going to get through. Like, you know, look at my own nephew. He's locked up now and right. I tried so much to help him. And then his best friend, Matt. He's like this six foot six black kid. Calls me Uncle John when I would go to the boys' home and take them out. Because they would have no parents during the holidays. They would be there by themselves. And I would take them out, get them sneakers, take them to the movies, pizza parties. So my nephew always made fun of this kid because he had a learning disability. But 
I said, yo, you shouldn't be doing that shit, man. You need to help that kid. You don't put that kid down. So a lot of those kids, three of those kids I know that I helped, raped and murdered a girl on the block. My nephew's locked up. And now look at Matt. Matt's married, got an apartment, and he's graduated college. Hmm. So you never know which one is going to do the right thing in life. And, and I love this kid, man. This kid came to my book book party when you oh yeah i remember that that's matt yeah yeah, the big tall yeah i remember he's like uncle john you know so much of this is timing and you know for a lot of people like i say this all the time but you cannot you you know you can't make somebody be willing to change it's like the pain of their current circumstance has to outweigh the pain and fear of change you know and that happens at different moments in time and when that when that like willingness intersects with someone who's delivering a message like you yeah. are, then magic can happen. But you know, when you look at this system, whether it's Spofford or the offspring of Spofford, with right, you know dude. what it's like right now, um, <clears throat> you can roll in and you know drop the love bomb on these kids, but then you're you're gone. Like without follow up and some kind of you know accountability or long term you know sort of yeah. connection with these kids. Like what is the prognosis you know how do we, how do you truly you know solve this on a systemic level um yeah like i just think you just have to you you you, you know it's like what it, what does it say in the bhagavad gita you have a right to the work but you don't have a right to the result of the work right. so you have to do it really selfless because when i first started doing it when these kids were fucking up it really got to me man and then i'd be like no, you, you know what you can't take that it's shit like trying home. to help people get so i would watch put how the message out and i would can't. watch how the the um the people that worked at these places would interact with the kids and it's like they have to deal with this all day and then go home to their own family yeah, and they it's numb like, out you can't blame you them have to stay that. aloof a bit you know but you know, you it's you really have to just like I said, it it's about planting that seed and showing them like I came from way worse circumstances than a lot of you guys and I've made something out of myself because I never gave up. It's the last thing I say in Evolution of a Cro Magnon is the one bit of advice I have is to develop, you know, um the the attitude of the warrior to never give up. You know? And that's why I do Iron Man. I'm not great at it or anything, but it just teaches you not to quit, you know? It's it's a mindset, you know? We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, And it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. 
I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia. And he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but Basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem. A problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Aren't you putting together some book that's based on your, your favorite slogan, PMA, Positive Mental Attitude? Well, you know you what? We, tried, now, or what's we wanted on? to sell that book and he just, my agent literary agent Dan Kirshen at ICM, he kind of thought it wasn't a strong enough 
book for him to sell. But if we used it as how I beat addiction and include it in this book that I'm doing, mm-hmm. then that's a book that he... I see. So, so that, that's getting folded into that. Yeah, kind of it memoir. got folded into the mix as like, you know, like this is the steps I took right. to, to get... Uh, you know where I am, and 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 uh, still have a long way to go. You know, it's right. And but you know, you're this. You know, you're a vegan warrior. You know, spreading the plant based yeah. message. You know, and you got a unique voice and and perspective on it that I don't think you know that there aren't too many other people that are coming from your you know your place that are that are kind of uh, spouting the message that you're putting out there. I mean, so the frequency you know yeah. taps into a very specific kind of person yeah i mean i mean i've had everybody from bikers i helped this one hell's angel in the city had some like for like my friend who's like he became a vegan but he's like one of the world's fucking most sought after bodyguards a muay thai fighter oh this australian guy yeah he protects um calvin harris Uh uh-huh but he's a fucking he's in like we gel from the minute like the minute i met that motherfucker on on this uh european uh on this australian tour called uh it's like fifty thousand people a day it's called the it was called the um shit um i forget what the fuck it was it was it's this big music festival yeah it's this tour that go that and he loved the cromags from when he lived in england and then he asked to kind of road manage us and Biohazard and another band. And then he, I was training for my first triathlon, the Ironman. So I was getting up early every day. And Gavin um, from from Bush, Rossdale, yeah, was in the gym uh, every day too. Like, mm-hmm. and uh, so, and and uh, he was watching. You know, Ian was watching me run and do it. He's like, "Yo, what the fuck are you?" <laughs> Like, how are you doing this shit and then going on stage? And Cro-Mag shows, it, it, it's like running a fucking half yeah, marathon. it's like an athletic It's event. brutal. It's like an mm-hmm. MMA fight. And then I was like, yo, I had I like co- how you do it in, like, your shorts and your running shoes, yeah. too. Well, that's just so I can move. Because if you wear <laughs> long pants, you, it, it's like, forget it. My shit sweats the fuck through. Uh-huh. But Ian was like, I gave him a copy of Meetings for Pussies. And I said, read this. And then he kept asking. By the end of the tour, he went vegan. And now he's like this fucking 240-pound beast. He's like started, you know, picking up Muay Thai again. And he's got a pretty amazing story too like he was a bodyguard for this the biggest gangster in fucking england and they did the rivals tried to murder him and you know so it's it's those types of people i really uh you know had like i've had dudes write me from prison and like not love this yeah yeah. we had that great story you told it before on the podcast about the firefighter who stopped you on the street i never he's like yo he wrote me this thing i'm a fucking the biggest fucking pussy ever like you know, like even even your friend Harrison, I, I seen him because he went to eat at. Uh, oh, Harrison, the the skateboarder. Yeah, I, he went to eat at, at, at club by Chloe. Oh, did he go with you last night? He showed up over there with his uh-huh. skater friend. <laughs> and uh, first of all, let's just break that down. Harrison is a he's 16 years old. He lives in the city here. He's a he's a ultra distance skateboarder. Crazy. So Crazy. he does these events where he goes. Uh, to these NASCAR tracks and they have these competitions. How far can you skateboard in 24 hours? Without stopping. Without stopping. So I think he's gone 268 miles yeah. or something like that. And the, the world record. And the kid that he was with beat him did 280. Right. 
And I think lit. before this most recent event, the world record was like 286. Yeah. Somebody took it up to 308. But yeah. those guys are like 32, and he's 16. He's 16 years old. So he's, he's a cool kid. It. He's vegan. I met him about a year and a half ago. He showed up at a fun run uh, that I did here in New York City, and uh, I've been following him online. He's yeah. just a little vegan activist, athlete, yeah, kid. He's, cool. he's got tons of energy. He came to the event last night, and that's funny that he, he showed up for dinner last night. Yeah, but uh, he, he went to Chloe's uh -huh. after... And uh, I was like, yo, did you read my book? He's like, yeah. I, my, I loved it and my father loved it, but my sister didn't like it. She's like, why does he have to use that kind of, like, degrade women? Like, blah, 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 blah. But, uh -huh. it, 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 you know, listen, uh, like, the people that I'm talking to and, and that I'm trying to get through to, vegan feminists ain't flipping them. Mm -hmm. So, like, I've had them attack me and don't tell people don't buy the book. Listen, I've been doing this shit way longer than these motherfuckers been alive for the most part. And if you judge something by the result, look how many people that book has helped mm -hmm. and with the certain vernacular that's, you know. Yeah, it's a very specific uh, yeah. audience that you're going for. They're not going to hear it um, from... They're, they're not going to read skinny bitch. They're not going to watch forks over knives. Or, they're not going to, you know, skinny bastard. Right. They're just. It's like it's, it's the exact opposite. They don't want to be a skinny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, seriously, yeah. I've gotten thousands and thousands of emails from dudes that were like, nobody else ever got through to me. And and the odd part is, chicks that got an open mind, they bought the book for their boyfriends because they were like. You know, the women are way more up on shit than the men. No, like, was, You go to yoga doubt. spots, you go to the vegan spots, the raw food spots. It's mostly chicks. Mm -hmm. The dudes need to catch up, man. So as a last ditch thing, they bought this book and their fucking men changed. Right. So I don't, I'll take the criticism because I know that the book's helping people. Like every day I get five, ten letters emails or whatever hit me up instagram and i know you you gotta we gotta wrap it up here in yeah. a minute because i know you gotta go to acupuncture but but for somebody who's listening who's minutes. uh all right cool so for somebody who's listening who's you know perhaps not vegan they're they're dancing around the edges of it like you know what's the message like what you know what are you what are you advocating specifically like you know what i tell people here and i'll tell you i was hanging out with chris garver from miami inc right mm -hmm. so his mother started taking up meditation, so they went to this Buddhist temple in, in Korea, in South Korea. And Chris's father said to the monk, why should I meditate? And the monk goes, you meditate for one month, and if you don't like it after one month, never meditate again. Well, guess what? The father's been meditating ever since. So that's the same thing I say. Get off the processed food. Get off the GMOs. Get off the dairy. Get off the poison. Start eating right. Exercising. Have that PMA. Do your meditation. Do whatever your spiritual practice is. And after a month, if you don't feel amazing, go back to eating fucking snossages. <laughs> what the fuck you want? What do you want me to tell you? But I can guarantee you, like all these dudes with health problems, come on. Like, look at the documentaries, Forks Over Knives, all these movies that are coming out. 
on health and people reversing like cancer and all kinds of shit by the the food that we're being fed is when you guys talked about this a lot last night it's poison it's it's pure fucking poison and you know the pharmaceutical companies have a hand in putting this poison out there because they're capitalizing off of you getting sick so it's like you know and the insanity. Like, remember Susan Powers, the crazy workout chick with the blonde spiky hair? Oh, and yeah, the yeah, insanity. Yeah, yeah. That's like, that's <laughs> what I tell motherfuckers. I'm like, yo, get off the fucking wheel, man. Like, get off of that ride that they got you on, man. It's- I think most, of, I saw some statistic that like most adult Americans uh, or, or the, the average <laughs> adult American is on like something like four to six medications. There's a great book called Confessions of an RX Drug Pusher. And she just, she was a big time pharmaceutical executive with Pfizer and these other companies. And she just fucking, her niece, I think, passed away or something from a reaction from one of the drugs that got recalled. And then she's like, I'm this we're doing this to fucking millions of people. So how the fuck does a drug get approved by the FDA and then get recalled because it's killing people if it's really safe? So she said straight up, like the, the, the goal of the drug companies is to get everybody on medication from the moment they leave the womb to the moment they go into the grave. Mm-hmm. That's their goal. They're the biggest things, tra- pharmaceutical companies, most powerful things traded on Wall Street. It's just like the prisons, it's a business. They want you sick. They go out and and they're destroying, like, you know, they just banned, like, uh, meta- like the oil from, uh, I just was reading today, like, the cannabis oil. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't take that stuff, but it's been proven to help kids with seizures. And, and this one family um, gave their kids cannabis oil and the kid was having like 30 seizures a day and it stopped the seizures completely. Mm-hmm. So there's benefits and alternative medicine has a lot of benefits, too, you know, herbs and stuff like that. And and it's just totally shunned. But I, I believe that if you eat a real healthy diet and you take preventative measures, too, uh, which I think is important. I drink wheatgrass every day. I do all this stuff to detoxify my system because I live in New York. I think you have a good chance. I mean, look, I'm 50, I'm turning 54 in a couple of months and I'm out there crushing it you know and everybody could be doing that i'm not Mm -hmm. i'm not a special case i just happened to invest in my health you know 36 years ago but it's been a roller coaster too like i said during that time i i did crack i was fucking crazy i did pills i was drinking i like you know but you can't never give up no matter what you go through you have to keep 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 the fight going and um you know you guys talked about a lot of uh, positive stuff stuff. you had the doctor up there and and it's a pill society there's a pill for everything but where's the pill for the fucking cure well on on that tip uh i know a guy who's very very high up in the fast food business uh he's a ceo of a major (laughs) freaking organization which i will not name uh but uh i know that he, he he was telling me that uh there's like a I don't know what it is, like a convention or something, some kind of cabal where like these these companies get together, you know, the the fast food industry, you know, it's like a convention or what have you. And and 
this event had just occurred and he was saying like the basic marching orders coming out of that event and, you know, going forward for this business is basically, you know, in the in the wake of responding to this this upsurge, this wave of like interest in healthy eating yeah. and organic and all of that, like how are they going to survive? And their mantra is basically, it was something like, I'm going to butcher it, but it was something like defend, deny, delay, diffuse, <laughs> you know, exactly. something like that. Like, and it's, it's like, it's like a, it's a page right out of the tobacco industry playbook or, you know, and not too, not too distinct or dissimilar Same from shit. the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, Really, dude? You needed to put cheese inside the fucking crust? <laughs> really? That's necessary? Well, listen. Now they like, have... Yeah, well, they have a now, choice. They have a... John, they have a choice. They yeah. can either go healthier and, and put a kale salad on the menu at McDonald's, or they can double down and go in the other direction and just make it, like, the nastiest, most unhealthy... You know, like, what is it? Taco Bell, they're putting, like, Doritos in their in their Did you burritos, see the, did like you see the Pizza Hut pizza? It's the fucking hot dog in the bun. Yeah, it's, it's the crust, so you can break that shit off and and have a have a have a. So you don't have to have make a, that have choice. Have a Frank like in it. Hot dogs or pizza, you can have Yo, it. Oh, have it your way. <laughs> you know, this shit is crazy, man. Like, it's just fucking insane. And and uh, even like the healthy alternatives that they do try to offer, they're loading this shit down with dairy. There's chicken in there. It's like mm-hmm. they're just never gonna fucking stop, mm-hmm. you know. But like I said, we have the like I said in meetings for pussies, we have ultimate power, and that power comes in where we choose to spend our dollar. Like, what are you putting in your fucking cart? What are you What are you giving your kids? Mm-hmm. If you care about your children, you better start like. You know, look at the obesity rates, heart disease showing up in eight-year-olds, cholesterol, high blood pressure. Like, that's not normal. Like, you, if you go, like, I travel all the time like you do, man. Go through the airports in the Midwest. Holy fucking shit. It's yeah. like a new breed of people. Well, there's people in their 30s that are in wheelchairs. The most far, We played punk rock bowling two years ago. What's and that? it's in Vegas, and it's this punk rock festival that takes over Vegas for like three days. And uh, big, you know, we played to like a thousand people in a club. But it's like you walk into those fucking casinos, and there's dudes hooked up to oxygen tanks in their wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. And they're fucking got drinks in the front, they got their cigarettes, and they're fucking hitting the one arm fucking mm-hmm. bandits nonstop gambling eating the shittiest fucking food it's like this country they're just, they're, at that point they're just a battery for fueling the system yeah. the status quo it's like it, it it's it's madness and uh you know that's why i think it's up to each of us to to get the message out and try to help people and for me the first real um you know what sparked all the change in my life was when I changed my diet everything followed from there and awareness opened up I started getting into other stuff you know I was around like the bad brain sound man J.W.R.I.P.J. love you he uh was a raw foodist and hit me to that and Victorious Kovinskis I saw him speak and like all these guys from Hippocrates and Wigmore and 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 then the meditation I worked at uh Integral Yoga's uh, health food store, 
got free yoga classes. So when you take that first step in the journey, man, the universe just responds with like unlimited mercy to bring you down your path. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to tell people. It's up to us to take those first steps. And you go through this clearing stage when you first go vegan and all this stuff. There is the temptations. You know, I slipped up in the beginning, but I didn't give up. That's the difference. Slipping up and giving up is two different principles. We're all going to get knocked on our ass in life. That's what life is about. But we have to learn from it. First class intelligence, you know, you hear and you never, and you change and never go back. Second class, you hear, you got to keep getting kicked. And then eventually you wake the fuck up. And then third class is most of what America's doing, man. They're getting fucking disease. They're getting pills. And they keep going back to the fucking whore with the venereal disease and not using a condom. Mm -hmm. It's like you're just constantly asking for fucking trouble. Mm -hmm. That's... That's the analogy that I kind of tell people. So it's like... Yeah, people want to have it all figured out before they start. Yeah. You know, and the truth is, the answers come in the doing. You have to take the leap. It's in and the you process. Gotta go. And I, you know, I said it in Finding Ultra. It's like when you, when you take that leap and, you, and, and you're willing, you have the willingness to move forward and you have that faith, the universe, right. if you're on the right path, the universe will conspire to support you. And, and that has been proven... Like countless times in my life, and I see it happening in in you know friends of mine's lives all the time, it's and that's not something that can be factually established, you know, right. in a rational sense. I mean, we really need warriors too, man, to to go against, like you said, the status quo and 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 what the fuck is going on because. You know, I mean, look at Fife from fucking Tribe Called Quest. He just died. He's been battling type type 1 diabetes, which mm -hmm. he got in 1990 because of his diet and wouldn't stop with the bad food, and he just passed away. How many fucking people do we got to lose, even family members and everything else, and the information is being is being fucking it's like you guys said last night the information is being withheld from us for obvious reasons you know there's companies that stand to lose billions and billions of dollars if this information gets out but you know like i said in my book let those motherfuckers go make organic veggie burgers fuck them you know mm -hmm. they're killing people you know like let the drug companies Get into something else, man, you know? All right, but to play devil's advocate, that's all fine and well, but there's no Whole Foods where I live. And even if there was, I can't afford it. I live in a food desert. You know, I'm on minimum wage or I don't have time. I got a bunch of kids. No one else in my family wants to eat this way. Like, how do you tackle that? How do I tackle it's it? I mean, First of the all, the subject came up last night, like, elitist. you know, isn't isn't this lifestyle elitist? And David Carter, the 300-pound vegan, you know, NFL player, he's like, yeah, it kind of is. It doesn't have to be that way, but culturally, that's the perception of it. And there, there is an aspect of this lifestyle that is undeniably, you know, a one percenter way of life. Yeah, but then you get a lot of I. I, I and mean, you're I, a guy like you don't live in Westchester. You still live right off Second Avenue. And I live Lower in New York. Side. And and more and more, I'm seeing African American and Spanish people getting hip to this shit and changing. Now, if you go eating at raw foods places where a fucking appetizer is twenty three dollars, who the fuck can afford that? But even on your YouTube channel, like I said, you did twenty vegan on twenty dollars a day, and you fucking killed 20, it when twenty five. Twenty five when you went to. <laughs> You know, when you went to Trader Joe's and, 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 and you know, did more. You have, you know, even if you go to my website, purepma.com, I have a, I, you can download this book for five bucks. It's, it's a, it's like a small book. 
and it's 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 uh, how to how to do healthy on the cheap. And I give you all the ways, man. There's so many different ways: joining a co-op, shopping at the you know uh, at the at the farmers markets. Listen, when there, if there's a will, there's a way. That's a famous saying, and I believe it 100 percent to be true. Yeah, if you commit, you're gonna figure it if out. If you commit, you're gonna figure it out. We're figuring out how to fucking inject cheese in a fucking crust and and send motherfuckers into space. We can't figure out, you know, how to, how to, you know, we can figure out anything if we adapt ourselves and, and, and apply ourselves to it. But the problem is, uh, you know, with the pharmaceuticals and everything else, it's like, you know, there's a reason, uh, there is no cure for cancer because cancer drugs make hundreds of billions of dollars. They, you know, everyone's telling, like this guy got in an argument with me cause I posted what I posted the other day on, um, on Instagram, I said, uh, I posted this, over 128,000 people die from prescription drugs in America every year. If ISIS killed that many people, there would be 24-7 uh, media coverage. Mm -hmm. So all these people were like, look at what cancer... I'm like, cancer drugs have fucking done shit. They're, it's designed to keep you sick. They're not trying to cure cancer. Well, there are some drugs that are helping people. Yeah. Like, I know people that, li listen, like, I don't need, you know, like, we got problems, um, but, you know, Western medicine's pretty good when you have an acute condition. Yeah. You know, there are and that some... doesn't mean that there aren't sort of economic, Look, you know, pressures at play that, that you know, speak yeah. to what you're trying to say. But... Listen, if I get, you know, what, like, I've had things where I've had to take, you know, Western medicine and it, and it, you know, it, it 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 worked, but if like I said, if you read Confessions of an RX Drug Pusher, they're making fucking conditions up to to keep people hooked on uh, restless legs and yeah, all that. I just saw an ad the other day. I think I've said this on the podcast before, but it was an ad for a pill that's supposed to uh, resolve your uh, constipation problem that happens when you're taking opioids. opioids. So when you're taking opiates, like if you're on Vicodin or Oxy all the time for quote unquote pain, yeah. you can't go to the bathroom, right? So you take this other pill so you can go to the bathroom, and but it's like, it doesn't address the fact that perhaps you're an opiate addict. It's the domino <laughs> like, effect. Like so. It's one thing. Look, like my friend had high cholesterol. He took these uh, cholesterol-lowering drugs, which fucked with the liver enzymes in his liver. Then he had to take fucking pills for that. Then that did something else. Once they get you in that fucking, they're not letting you go. When they get you in their grip, that's it. And it's the same thing now. If you're, if you're uh, behavioral, like your meds for depression don't work, take it with this other pill. Mm. It's like, motherfucker, go out and do some running. Go do some yoga. Go fucking do some positive shit that's going to give you PMA. The answer ain't in no motherfucking pill. Now, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've been around nut houses, and I know people have deep... There are people with psychological problems, but if you read this chick's book, man, a lot of that shit, those conditions are made up so that they can sell the drug. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I mean, I'm not going to say I haven't taken, um, you know, prescription meds in the last 36 years, not for no depression and stuff like that, but for a condition. One year I had this bronchial infection and it was, it turned into like pneumonia. And if I didn't take... What they were offering, 
sure you know yeah i could have died so i'm like all right i ain't gonna fucking die i tried every herb under the sun it didn't work so there are some benefits to some of the western medicine on some conditions but dude the shit that they're doing is out of fucking control if you turn on the news from five o'clock on all fucking night it's nothing but drug commercials that's amazing you know, like you guys talked about erectile dysfunction. Motherfucker, stop eating greasy fucking snossages in the morning and your fucking junk will work. <laughs> like, you know, like they're doing all of this nonsense and then they just want to give you a pill to treat the symptoms. But really, the whole thing is, you know, is the cure. And you're a shining example, man. Look at where you came from. You told your story last night. 50 pounds overweight, had a heart thing going up the stairs. You know, so, and, and look where I came from. Look at all these guys. Even David Carter, man. What, what did he say? I had, I had old man He had arthritis. Diseases. He had all sorts of problems. Yeah. High cholesterol, high mm-hmm. blood pressure. 22 years old. You know, it's like they're doing it to everybody. So, that's it, it, it. You guys are the example. I like that's somebody asked you how do we help people, and what was your answer last night? I try to be the example. Example is better than precept. Nobody wants to fucking hear shit from some armchair philosopher talking shit. Like, they're looking to see if you're going to be a vegan athlete, get out there and kick fucking ass. Get out there and do shit. Get out there and help people. Get out there and be the shining example that's killing it, crushing it. That's why, uh, you know, these guys from the UFC now, more and more of them are going fucking mm-hmm. vegan. And, and, and just the whole movement is because... Yeah, Men's Journal just wrote an article. Yeah, I, I got it. Nick Diaz and, and Nate, and, you know, and, and, you know, and James Wilkes, they mentioned, and, and who has a film coming out on mm-hmm. vegan athlete, plant-based athletes. Uh, the UFC fighter, James, uh, yeah, yeah. great guy. But, uh, you know, podcast. be the example, man. Get out there and, 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 and live your life and, and do good to help other people. And one by one, man, it's a grassroots movement, like you said. And that's how we're going to change shit, you know, is, is help everybody we meet, man. Help them out. Guide them. Get them off the, off the poison. Get them working on themselves spiritually and... You know, I I just one last thing I'll I'll read you. Uh, there was a magazine called Satya, which means the mode of goodness. Uh, you know, and it was this Vedic magazine and all plant based in all the health food stores. And so I read this article about this this black cat, and he was fucking locked up. I, they didn't say what he did, but he's doing a long bit in like one of the worst prisons. And he got some Buddhist books in prison and became a Buddhist and went vegan. Mm. And he said, you know what the word, the sad part about uh, my path is my path. But there's a lot of African-American and Spanish cats out there that they need this knowledge. And if I would have got this knowledge out on the street, I I wouldn't be where I am right now because Mm. he did a complete 180. So that's the way I kind of look at it like... You know, we can head off what's going on, but we really have to work hard to do it. And it's a thankless task. You're going to have people, fuck you, who the fuck are you telling me, uh, you know. You're going to get the fucking meatheads, you know. And 
You just gotta not. Uh, I practice the the four agreements, man. I t- I don't take it personal, you know. It's, right. <laughs> I try to, but sometimes I I tell them to go fuck themselves. But you know. Well, listen, you're uh, you're an incredible example of service. I aspire to your level of service. Uh, you do a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you don't talk about. Um, and uh, it's it's incredible to watch. I'm honored to be your friend. Same and here, I love bro. You, buddy, man. Thank you Love so you much. too, man. It's a bro. We got a real bromance going. <laughs> we bro, do, dude. <laughs> and I, t- I have to thank you, man, because so many people have like written me and got my book and so you know and, and watched my uh, Vice video thing mm-hmm. on Vice Iron Man. If you Google Vice Vegan Iron Man, it comes mm-hmm. up. But like a lot and of people ju- got and hit. the uh, the juicing and blending one on Vice, yeah. dude. That's a class. That yeah, yeah, I yeah. send that to people all the time. I'm like, this is the best smoothie video you will ever see and you know what the motherfuckers like had a whole scripted shit for me to write. i said motherfucker put that camera on stand over there and shut up like, i and, got and this th- if there's one thing i can do is this i think yeah. i can handle it right <laughs> but anyway i, th- I want to thank you too because yo this podcast is it's one of the best ones out there and and like even to be on it i'm honored man i don't i don't take it for granted because and and i've i've come in touch with so many amazing stories of other individuals off your podcast too like you know and um just what you're doing man it's 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 really changing lives man you know i appreciate that man so when i would say i would say eight out of ten people that come up and were like yo i heard about you i I found out about your stuff it was through you and and the podcast i love that man yeah it's great all right, so when you come out to L.A., are you going to come out to my house and ride bikes with yes, me? Yes, I'm going right. to have you kill me up them yeah. climbs. All right, let's do it, dude. All right. All right, buddy. One so love, namaste. Uh, John, pick up his books, uh, Meat is for Pussies. I wrote the foreword to that. It's a great book. It's an easy read. It's he a fun read. He makes me look stupid. Evolution of a Cro-Magnon and uh, PurePMA.com is a website. And at John Joseph. No, at no, JJ Cro-Mag on, on Twitter, Twitter and John Joseph Cro-Mag on, on Instagram. Instagram. Right on. Dude. I always post funny stuff. All right. Peace. Peace. Plants. That just like blew my hair back. I hope you guys enjoyed that. How amazing is that guy? Oh my Lord. Anyway, I hope you guys, uh, Doug on John Joseph. Uh, I just love it. I love everything about that guy. I can't wait to have him on again. Uh, make a point to visit the show notes on the episode page for this episode at richroll.com. Lots of links and resources to take your edification beyond the earbuds, learn a little bit more about John. And once again, you can also listen to the other episodes that I've done with him. Links to all of that up on the episode page. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make a point of doing that. For all your plant power and RRP swag and merch needs, visit richroll.com. We got t-shirts, we got swag, we got stickers. We got signed copies of Finding Ultra and Plant Power Way. I'll sign, I'll sign those books, I'll write on it, whatever you want me to write on it. We got fine art prints, we got all kinds of other cool stuff as well. Uh, questions for future Q&A podcasts. I am gonna do a Q&A pretty soon coming up. Traditionally, I've been telling people to send us an email at info at richroll.com, but I got a different idea here. Instead of doing that, Go to Reddit. Uh, There is a subreddit underneath my name, which I discovered. I did not create it. I don't know who created it. It exists. It's sitting up there on Reddit, completely dormant. No one's ever used it. And I thought that could be a better way to organize questions. They could be upvoted and the questions that people really want me to address and talk about. 
will sort of rise to the top, and that way I can focus on uh, answering questions that seem to be more popular than others. So how do you uh, leave a question there? Go to reddit.com, R-E-D-D-I-T.com forward slash R forward slash Rich Roll. Reddit.com forward slash R forward slash Rich Roll. Uh, also, I got a new engineer, audio engineer on the case uh, that I began working with. His name is Jason Camiolo. Uh, he came on board starting last week for the Jasmine Singer episode. Uh, he did a great job on that episode. I'm sure you could tell the audio quality was much better last week than it has been historically when I was doing it myself. Uh, so give him a shout out on Twitter, at Jason Camiolo, C-A-M-I-O-L-O, uh, and tell him that you appreciate the work that, uh, that he's doing. Um, I'm excited to have him on board uh, so that I don't have to do it anymore. Also, uh, shout out to Sean Patterson for help on the graphics, Chris Swan for production assistance, and theme music, of course, by Analemma, my boy's band. Uh, thanks for all the support, you guys. To cap it off, to end this uh, episode, if there's one thing that inspires me most about John Joseph, it's his commitment to service. That's what he's all about. And it's my opinion that when your focus is on what you can do to give rather than get, your life improves like 10X or 50X. So the question I have for you guys is, how are you of service in your life? What are you doing to serve? How can you better serve? Because we all have something to give. So I want everybody to think about what that is for you and begin to take steps to express it, to put it into action in your life. Have a great week, everybody. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Peace. Plants.